He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you as always. Also be joined by former Sooner National Champion Brad Dalkey. Uh, gentlemen, you all three are in Edmond this evening. I had some prior obligations, so I couldn't make it up there. But we all watched Oklahoma and Pepperdine. And Pepperdine yesterday broke the hearts of Cowboy Nation. And today, the Waves did the same thing to Sooner Nation. Uh, it was tough there coming down the stretch and it was tough to see Hibble after the round get choked up about his seniors it was an awesome week for Oklahoma and they come up just short Brad you were part of a national championship team at Oklahoma what was it like for you being a former member of that program who's a, a, accomplished that at the highest level to sit and watch that today as they tried to grind their way toward another championship no yeah it was uh it was tough because um you know you sit there and uh I'm watching it and I'm, I know what they're going through I know that they're um, they're nervous and they're probably checking leaderboards and they're wanting to know how their guys are doing. But at the same time, you you know focus on your own match and kind of what you're doing. And um, but it's tough, you know. I I feel for them. Uh, you know, at the at the end there, I was, um, you know, I was just feeling for them because I know those seniors, uh, Quaden, um, Reban, and then Brightwell, who this is the only year that he played there. Um, you know, they they wanted to finish off on a bang and um, they worked hard. You know, I saw I saw them working hard all the time. Um, and Norman and I felt bad for him, but you know, they gave it their all and uh it was tough though. You know, it's a grind. That you know, the whole week is a grind and to be able to, you know, go out there and obviously you have a national championship on the line, so it's not that tough to focus because you have something big on the line, but it's a long week and it just you know, it wears you out. But you know, I just I felt really bad for him because it was uh it was tough it was a tough week for him. You know, or a tough way to end the week for him because you want to end with the ring, but they just couldn't do it and uh yeah, it was it was fun to watch at the same time, but it was also a tough way to end. Man, I, I, we're watching it live, and it, it seemed like it was a roller coaster the whole time. It seemed like Pepperdine would get some mo- momentum, then OU would gain the momentum back, then it looked down it was going to come down to about one match. And then, you know, I'm, I'm looking back on it. First of all, let's let's give Pepperdine a little bit of credit. I mean, they beat Florida State, OSU, and OU, some of three of maybe the best teams in the country. So it's not like they came in and, and walked through a cakewalk. They were able to go through and play really well. And, you know, looking back on it, guys, I mean, at the time we were kind of talking about how the important matches, but um, for Lorraine, to be two up with uh, seven holes to go and then end up losing. I think, obviously, in hindsight, that was really the deciding factor because Quaid kind of ran into a, um, a storm with William Mao there at Pepperdine. And then um, Logan McAllister was able to, to do well. He was one up going in 18 before the matches ended. And also give credit to a, to a Brightwell as well. He won not only yesterday, but today one up on 18. So that's very clutch of him, even though a couple times he did get lucky. But, but also, guys, I mean, we, we were talking about it all week for – for OU to have made it this far with essentially playing four guys, I mean, the, fir- the first match they had a guy lose eight and six, Patrick Welch, and they put Reband back in, and he loses six and five, I believe, um, five and four maybe, lost five and four yesterday, and then today he loses um, four and three. So, I mean, uh, we-, we talked about you're playing with four guys out there. So, you're whenever you're doing that against a high 
caliber team like Pepperdine, it's going to catch up with you eventually. And unfortunately, it did today, Sam. Yeah, I thought the story of today was more Pepperdine uh, winning it than I, than it was OU losing it. You know, uh, obviously you had Reban who had a really tough week this week, but you had guys like Logan McAllister uh, and Brightwell who had amazing weeks. I would give them the co MVP for OU. Um, obviously, we had the another hole in one from Logan McAllister match play Logan as he was being called uh, on Twitter, but the MVP of the whole tournament has to be Fagler and Mao. You know, Fagler takes down uh, Austin Eckro yesterday uh, and then is the deciding match today uh, against Lorenz. You know, it, down the stretch, Pepperdine just put on a putting clinic uh, and it, a clutch putting, putting clinic. And, you know, you had great up and downs uh, by Fagler. You had great up and downs uh, by Versich, the, the guy with the long socks. I mean, what a world-class up and down that was uh, on 16 after hitting the wedge shot over the green on the short par three. That was just a world-class up and down. I still think that Logan uh, really had a great chance to win that match uh, if it would have came down to it. But, you know, Lorenz leaves it right in the jaws on 18, and uh, OU comes up about a foot short of a national title, or at least getting to play some extra holes for a national title. So, um, obviously disappointing, but a, a great week for the Sooners. And, uh, Colby, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was such a battle all day long. It looked pretty dire for OU there uh, kind of early, and then they really clawed back into it, and it was anybody's match with probably five, six holes to go. Man, William Mao just really started to play well there down the stretch. That was so tough uh, for Quaid. I mean, he was battling, but Mao was just rolling everything in. And then the up and downs that a couple of those Pepper, Pepperdine guys had from off the back of number 17, and even the one that Verzich had uh, there from left of the 16th green. I mean, they just, it, it wasn't even just the putting. They were opening up the face on some of those wedge shots and hitting it up to six feet when I didn't think a, a shot to six feet was there. So you've got to give uh, credit where credit's due to Pepperdine, but it is, man, it's heartbreaking for Oklahoma. It really is. You've got Quade Cummins, Garrett Reband, and Jonathan Brightwell. Uh, talked a little bit about Reband earlier on Twitter. You know, just feel so bad for him. Golfers go through slumps. That, that's part of what golfers deal with. Uh, not all golfers have to go through slumps on national TV playing for a national championship. It, it's tough, and I can't imagine how tough that that has been for him, but uh, the way Oklahoma battled was really commendable, and Ryan Hibble has really built something down there in Norman and something that they can feed off of for a long time. So the direction of this OU program is still phenomenal, but it just doesn't make these hurt any less because, uh, you, you know, getting back to that national championship match, it's just not promised. I mean, match play is random. It, it's it's tough to get there, and it's even tougher to win it. So, uh, you, you know, it was awesome from OU. Uh, I was really proud, guys, of Ben Lorenz today. You know, Reband obviously had his struggles. Patrick Welch as well, but Lorenz really put up a fight in his match, and he had a chance to win it. Even the guys on Golf Channel said that putt on 18 slower than you think, and he leaves it about a foot short, but he really fought hard. Uh, I, I was really proud and impressed with the way that he battled and really with the way this, this team played uh, all season long. I'm curious, guys, uh, any believers in fate up there in Edmond. Last season, when COVID wiped out the collegiate golf schedule, Pepperdine was the number one ranked team in the country. Pepperdine actually lost its one bag off of last year's team. He's now on the Corn Ferry Tour, and Pepperdine comes back and wins it this year. I, I don't know, just all week, guys, to me, Pepperdine just looked like a team on an absolute mission, and they were pretty much unstoppable. Yeah, I'm curious to get your thoughts, Brad, on those clutch chips, chip shots and putts coming down the stretch, because you've been in that situation before, and you've got 
got mm-hmm. it done, made the winning putt uh, in 2017 for the Sooners. What what are they feeling? Uh, and and explain to people that might not know uh, the feeling of competitive golf. Like how much pressure, uh, what what it does to your body down that down the stretch, and and kind of explain how phenomenal those up and downs were. Uh, even though obviously we were rooting hard for the Sooners, you still had to be impressed mm-hmm. by some of those shots you saw coming down the stretch and putts. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's tough. I mean, you when you're playing for something, uh, especially national championship wise, because you know individual wise, if you're playing in your own tournament, you know it's individual. Obviously, you're nervous, you want to win, but when you have a team on your back and you want to, you know, win something for your coaches, for your you know 12 team members or wherever it is, um, that's a whole whole added pressure. And you know, I was super impressed by Pepperdine because they just you know those last I don't know 30 to 40 minutes of the coverage. It seemed like they made every single putt inside 10 feet they had to. And that's one thing about match play is, like, if you can make those putts, it's tough to beat a guy. You mm-hmm. know, if you if you, you can miss greens and if you're getting up and down from impossible places, it's tough to, you know, be on the opposite end of that because you just think this guy will not make bogey. And you you, you have to make birdie to win. And um, But it's tough because, you know, you have nerves. You're shaking. You know, each uh, – you know, you're sitting there with a chip that you know you have to get up and down. You're sitting there and you're nervous. I mean, you're you're shaking. You're thinking of all the things that could go wrong. And if I don't get something down, my team's gonna be disappointed. All this, but I think there's just some guys who just are better at um at handling it. Some guys who maybe think more in a way of like, if I get something down, then I'm like I'm the hero instead of thinking about all the bad things. And um, I think there's some guys that are just better at that. And uh, you know, as much as I was hoping for OU to, you know, I was, I was hoping for some of those Pepperdine guys to uh, not get those up and down or maybe miss some of those putts, you know, it was, it was really impressive because they just seemed to be so clutch under pressure. And um, and sometimes you just can't help that. Sometimes they just outplay you, and I think that's just kind of what happened because I feel like most of our guys played, you know, really good golf and just solid golf all day, so – um, some things you just can't control like that. So yeah, that's what match play is. Sometimes you just run into guys that are playing good, or sometimes someone like Reban you just have an, an off week and it happens. So so Brad, kind of take us back to because what I think I don't think people understand is is that while the national championship is a sprint in a sense because you have to be in the top eight after seventy two holes to make it to match play, but if you do that, you're playing essentially seven rounds of golf. Mm-hmm. And so kind of what was what was kind of the weekly routine for you guys to make sure that you were focused on the task at hand, but while not overworking yourselves and making sure that you were able to be fresh and ready for the championship match like like OU face today. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the like when you get to the week, the main thing is just getting through stroke play. Obviously, you want to try to get that top eight position. Um, and it's a four-round tournament, and we've all played four-round tournaments. You know, it's it's not too long of a week. If it's just four rounds, 18 holes a day. It's not too bad. But um, And then once match play hits, it's – you know, all of a sudden at the hotel, there's less people eating breakfast. You know, there's all the teams are starting to leave, and it kind of feels weird. It kind of feels each day you move on, it's just like less people there and there. It's kind of a weird feeling. But, um, yeah, you have to, I mean, it's you have to really prepare yourself. If you make it a match play, it's a long, long week. You play four rounds in a row, 18 holes, and then all of a sudden you play 36 holes. And, well, not including the practice round, so you go, you know, 90 holes really, and then 36. And then it's just uh, it's a grind. It's a mental grind. And I think you know because it's I think it's similar to when I was able to go through the USAM pretty deep. It's it's a long week, but you have so much adrenaline going. You're so excited for it that you want to. You don't it doesn't really hit you really until after the week. Now the guys are going to be really tired the next few days. They're going to be crazy tired. But 
it's one of those things where adrenaline hits you and you just try to stay focused as you can. And, um, but it's, it's a, it's a long, long week. And I know those guys will be even, maybe even more disappointed because they're gonna be tired and they're going to be ready to get home and all that. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a grind because it's a lot of stroke play. And then all of a sudden match play, I think match play is even more of a grind than stroke play just because it's a little more stressful, I think in some ways. And, um, but yeah, it's it's a it's it's a grind for seven or eight days, however long it was. So yeah, and to kind of piggy, piggyback off that question, obviously your mindset changes a little bit once you go into match play. And you and I were watching the golf, and you were talking about a little bit of your mindset in the past in match play. Uh, kind of explain to people how your mindset maybe changes a little bit, or your your uh, attitude and the way you carry yourself might change during match play. Uh, kind of explain to people, you know what you tried to do uh, as a match play player uh, as opposed to a stroke play player? Yeah, so I think I've always been a good match play player because I, I kind of hold a lot of stress. I say match play is more stressful. It can be if you make it because if you're so worried about your opponent, then it can be very, very stressful because you're worried about every single one of their shots and if they do good or bad, but I don't really worry about that. Um, for me, it's less stressful because for you know the last five, six years or so, I've kind of struggle with ball striking and so for me it's less stressful because I can just you know if I hit a bad shot then it's you know loss of a hole and that's it instead of you know losing three shots to the field or whatever it may be so but I just think I think uh it takes a lot of pressure off my ball striking but then I also feel like I'm a very good putter and I think putting is by far the most important thing in match play because like the paper like the Pepperdine guys Pepperdine guys were doing they were making you know eight ten footers and clutch spots that were keeping them in the match and keeping them leading. And I think that's the biggest thing. Cause if you're out there making putts, it's tough to beat a dude. It really is. It's, I think hitting fairways is important, but if you're out there making every putt you look at, it's, I mean, you sit there and like, you kind of, the next hole, you'll be thinking like, this guy just is going to make this. Like there's no mm-hmm. chance he's going to miss it. And it's tough on just mental game. Just thinking like, I have to make birdie to win a hole. And it's, that can be tough sometimes, especially on a course like Greyhawk where, you know, birdies aren't promised, so. Yeah, it's like we saw yesterday with Eckroat shooting four under, but he still lost, what was it, three and two uh, to uh, Fagler. And, you know, uh, I, I think we're going to send it to a break. Yeah, let's take a quick break, fellas, and we'll come back on the other side and talk more about kind of how the round played out today uh, and just about Oklahoma season getting here uh, and taking back the national runner-up from Greyhawk. I do want to get y'all's thoughts on just how firm Greyhawk played today. Very firm and fast out there in Scottsdale, so we'll get into that and much, much more on the other side. Stay with us here. Brad Dalkey joining us on tonight's edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. 
back, rolling along here on the 73rd hole. We are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Head over to golfoklahoma.org. Check out everything that they have to offer. The content up right now uh, is absolutely phenomenal with the senior PGA Championship that just took place at Southern Hills and then Oklahoma State losing yesterday in the Final Four and OU falling today to the same team, Pepperdine, out at Greyhawk. And, fellas, Greyhawk was playing mighty, mighty firm and fast. Those greens were rock hard. I mean, if you were coming in with anything more than about a nine iron, it was like landing on a cart path on some of those greens. Uh, what'd you think of the way that the golf course was playing and the way guys handled it as it continued to bake out throughout the week? Yeah. So, um, I've actually gotten to play a lot of rounds at Greyhawk. Uh, I played the Thunderbird Invitational out there a lot when I was in junior golf. And, uh, I remember coach Hibble was actually asking me, he was like, how do you think Greyhawk will play? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. Cause I played some years where it's really firm and the scores weren't low at all. I mean, I, the year I won, it was firm. I won at five under, I think. And um, but then there were some years where it's playing very soft, and the winning score was like eighteen under. So I was like, I really don't know. It just depends. And I saw that today, and it was crazy firm. I mean, it's I feel like the greens have been a little bit that way the last um, I don't know, three days or whatever it's been on TV. But it's been uh, today was unbelievable. I mean, you had one hundred twenty yard shots that were bouncing you know, 15 feet and rolling out. And it was, I think it made for a much tougher golf course. It made for for good match play, I think. It made for, you know, a lot of interesting putts and all that. But um, it, was, it was very different, I feel like, compared to the last couple of days. So that was really cool to see. Yeah, Brad, we were talking a little bit about when you played in that Thunderbird, 15 and 16 were different holes. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually had to change those holes because they were going to build an apartment complex uh, in that area. And then it actually went under and it's, the holes you can literally still see uh, the dirt from where those holes were. Uh, maybe kind of explain to people what those holes were when you played, and if you think it might have been a better finish uh, for Greyhawk in this national championship. Yeah, so I think I think those holes were so 15 and 16 used to be. So now 15 is this kind of sh- not really short, but like 450 yard dog leg right, little dog leg right, par four, nothing special. It's uh, kind of like any other hole out there. Before, it was a downhill 330-yard par four. Um, this super cool, very shallow green, very wide green. They had these two huge tiers and this big old hill on the green. And it was fun because it was like it was a kind of a drivable green. You can get up there close to the green. And then you might have like a weird pitch shot. You could have you could have a pitch shot where you have to, you know, go 30 feet past the hole and have it roll back down to the pin if it's on the front right and stuff like that. So it was just a fun hole. And then 16 was probably the best hole out there. It was 200 and, I don't know, 10 yards maybe, about 20 yards downhill, this pond to the left, this long, narrow green, this collection area to the right. And it was a very tough hole, but it was it was their signature hole. Like, it was, like, you know, it was on the picture, on the scorecard. It was the picture of the, you know, that hole on it and stuff like that. And it was a very good-looking hole and fun hole to play. Tough hole. But I think it would have been – I mean, I think the new holes are good, but they I think they were a lot better back then because um, I think 16 now is kind of a – you know, it played pretty pivotal today. Um, now it's just 160-yard par three. The only know, reason why it played tough today was because of – Because the greens were the so The greens firm. were so yeah, firm. They were, yeah, I mean, they were landing it five feet away from the hole and it would roll over and you were just, you know, not in a good spot back there. So, um, but I think, you know, I think they played they, – those holes played pivotal today, but, like, I think they were just a lot better holes back then. But, you know, it's – you know, I guess Greyhawk had to do what they had to do so to yeah. 
maybe make a little more money or something like that. Yeah, I don't it's know. stuff that you don't usually think about. You know, tearing up golf holes to build an apartment complex. Yeah. You know, especially at a great golf course like Greyhawk, it normally doesn't cross your mind. You know, one thing I want to ask you about, Brad. If correct me if I'm wrong, you were in the anchor match. You guys won the national. I was. Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. What and and our friend of the show Quade was in was in the anchor match today as well. What kind of I wouldn't necessarily the word pressure, but what kind of, you know, energy do you put on yourself knowing that there's a pretty decent chance that the that your match could come down and be the pivotal one to decide the national championship? Yeah, so I actually I, – I asked Coach if he could put me back there because he knew I loved the pressure. I love, like, the, the, the moment I was in 2017 where it all came down to me. Like, I loved that stuff. Like, it's – that makes me, like – Whenever I saw all the people, like, waiting there on the green, knowing that, like, my match was the match, like, I just love it. So, I don't know. It's – it's. I think the mindset was, for me, I just like being in that spot, and I love having, like, the team depend on me because I just – I would so much rather be in control of that than letting, like – you know, I trust my teammates, but, like, I would just rather be in control of that than having to watch someone do it. So, it's it's a different mindset because, obviously, you're still going out there just trying to get a point. Like, it's you know, I'm doing the same thing as, the you know, the first guy out. Like, we're just trying to get a point. But I also know that, you know, that match could be the match that decides it. And um, I think you have to get the right guy in there to, um, you know, you don't necessarily always want a freshman back there. You know, who, something okay. like, unless they, you know, unless they're, you know, freshman that's been there before in junior golf and stuff like that and they love match play. But I think you definitely have to get the right guy back there. I think Quaid's the right guy. He just, I don't think he played bad at all today. I think he played pretty good. It's just he kind of ran into a, a guy that started making putts there at the end on the back nine and, you know, you can't really do much about that sometimes. Yeah, William Mal, another Walker Cupper who was with Quade and Austin down at uh, down at Seminole, and uh, and yeah, it proved uh, to prove to be honestly the uh, the pivotal match. So you know, one thing also about that, Brad, is you know when you're in the last group, you know there's four other groups going off before you, and you know they're teed off at I believe 135. So how did you? Were you during that time? Were you trying to focus in more, or were you trying to separate yourself to make sure that you would be focused for the match? Are you talking about like before? Like, yeah, the, before yeah, you tee off. Yeah, before you tee off. Yeah. Um, I'd say, I remember. Well, that day, I remember, I was just kind of. I went out there with the guys, and we were just warming up together, and you know, slowly one guy would leave to go, you know, play, and we'd kind of, you know, give each other high five and all that. But I'd say I was very much like a scoreboard watcher type guy, so I was kind of. You know, making I kind of was trying to pay attention to everybody else and trying to, you know, we were all we were you know hitting balls next to each other and I was always, you know, if if I was still warming up, I'd be checking on the first guy and what they did on the first hole and stuff like that. So I was definitely, I didn't separate myself. I was just I was focused on my match, but also I was kind of trying to see how everybody else was doing and trying to, you know, be a team and try to you know get everybody everybody going. So. I'd say I was definitely more like that. Yeah, you know, you were saying that Quaid didn't play that bad today. He really didn't. He was one over through uh, 15 holes on the day, which, you know, normally probably gets it done on a, on a hard course like that. But he's playing uh, Mao, who just, you know, he's been playing really solid all year. It was actually the Walker Cup teammate of uh, Quaid Cummins. Colby, uh, what were your thoughts uh, on, on that stuff? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously Mao played great down the stretch. Quaid is the right guy to have in that anchor match. I mean, he just – sometimes you tee it up against another great player and you just get beat. That's golf. That's just the reality of match play. Uh, but all week, Jonathan Brightwell, uh, Logan McAllister, and Quaid Cummins were nails for Oklahoma. I mean, if you look at it, uh, Ben Lorenz was very respectful in his final match today. But over the course of the quarters, the semis, and the finals, Ben Lorenz, Patrick Welch, and Garrett Reban combined to go 0-6 
which means that Logan McAllister, Jonathan Brightwell, and Quade Cummins, none of those three guys could lose a match. All three of those guys were going to have to go 3-0, and and it just put so much pressure on those guys at the top. And Pepperdine uh, was a little more five deep. Jill Highsmith for Pepperdine really put the team on his back, so much so, in fact, that he might have to head to the Spine Clinic of Oklahoma. Go see Dr. Beecham and Dr. Brawley. They are both avid golfers. They've got high-quality, individualized patient care, total complete spine care. Dr. Beecham does non-invasive. The Spine Clinic offers the capability to approach all options before surgery. Dr. Beecham specializes in interventional pain management, and he is double board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. However, if you are needing back surgery, Dr. Brawley recently received the honor of being listed as one of the top 20 spine surgeons under the age of 40 in all of North America. Visit thespineclinicok.com, located off Broadway Extension on Britain in Oklahoma City. Uh, guys, I, I briefly mentioned Joe Highsmith there. He, If you're going to rock a bucket hat, you better play the way Joe Highsmith played the last couple of days. The shot that he hit yesterday against Oklahoma State out of the bunker on 18 was ridiculous, and today he was just absolute nails in his match against uh, Reban. We know Reban's kind of going through it right now, but Highsmith was phenomenal. Uh, Pepperdine just... The, the depth, I think, is really what made the difference in today's final match. Uh, and before I forget, we do need to show some love to our man Taylor T-Dub. We filled out brackets to start this thing, and Taylor got exactly one match wrong. In the first round, he had UNC uh, over Arizona State, and the only reason he really did that was to pick a, uh, a an upset in the first round. But, Taylor, you had Pepperdine over OU in the championship. You said all week, I sure hope I'm wrong. Uh, lo- looking back now, what was it that you saw early in the week with Pepperdine that you thought would lead to this? You know, I, I think you alluded it perfectly, Kobe. It was just was just the depth of the team. I mean, we were kind of getting into it earlier. You know, you mentioned that that Brightwell, McAllister, and Cummings would have had to win every single match that they played for them to be able to uh, win the national championship. And the only person that lost today was Quaid against William Mount, who's a top uh, how many ever world amateur golfer in, in the world. And so, I mean, that's just bound to happen at one point or another. And so, I just think that Pepperdine, and, and also, too, you know, they beat, um, Pepperdine beat Florida State in the first round, who's a great team, and Mal actually lost to John Pack in that match. So, they were able to move on against a great Florida State team with pr- predominantly their best player losing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just thought that the depth of Pepperdine was going to was gonna prevail in the end. But like I said all week, guys, I really wish I was wrong because this OU team deserved it. I mean, the way they fought back at, at regionals to be able to get into the national tournament and then just fighting all week with essentially three to four guys, however you want to phrase it. And, uh, I mean, it just, just shout out to them for such a great season. And, uh, like I said, they they, des- they deserve to win. They just ran into a team that was playing super, super hot. Yeah, you know, Colby mentioned Highsmith, and Highsmith actually lost a qualifier before the national championship by 12 shots, which is why he didn't end up getting the start in the first round of stroke play. Came in, uh, played solid in stroke play, kept his spot, shot at 67 in the final round of stroke play, his third round, the fourth round of the actual tournament because he sat in the first round. Uh, And then came in, and like you said, Colby was absolute nails uh, against uh, Let's see, Gupta, he hit the great shot out of the bunker uh, against Oklahoma State, and then today he was, you know, solid against Reband, and that's where I want to ask Brad about. Reband, obviously, uh, is a world-class player, super talented guy, but he is in a slump right now, and it, and it's definitely ball striking is is what is going on, and, it, and it's not just physical. It, it looks to be mental to me uh, at this point, you know, What's your kind of mindset uh, when you're in a slump, Brad? And and what do you think that Reban needs to do to bounce back uh, from his performance here at the national championship? 
Yeah, no, I mean, Reban's a great player. He's going to be – I think he's going to be a great professional golfer. He's got he's got all the tools. You, I mean, this week ball striking wasn't his thing, but he's usually a very good ball striker. Hits it a long ways. Um, great putter, has a great short game. But, yeah, no, I mean, he just looked really defeated out there quite a bit today. He just – almost like he already knew he was going to lose the match, you know, on the front nine, and which was tough to see just because I think body language is huge in match play, like just showing yourself as – even if, if you know, even if you don't feel confident, you got to show yourself as being confident because that you're the guy you're playing against can see everything you're doing. He's gonna if he sees that you're feeling down, he's gonna jump on it. So I think that um, I think he's gonna be fine. You know, it, it it was it's tough for him to you know I know it's tough on him to do you know have this kind of slump on a national championship on a national stage um, while your team's counting on you know all, like all that, but it's. You know, he also brought this team to great places. So it's, you know, he's been a big part of this team. So it's one of those things where, you know, sure, he didn't quite show up this week, but it's like, you know, he also helped this team get here. Um, but yeah, he'll be fine. You know, I think, I think he just had a very bad week. And, you know, there's been times in the past when I played with him in college because um, I was teammates with him. I think there was times where he had some bad weeks and tried to rely on that. Um, he kind of got aimed up too far right, tried to hook it too much. And, um, I think that's where he kind of gets in trouble. And on TV, he looked like he was just aimed up right every single shot, and he was moving that ball a lot. So, I don't know. I think he'll be fine. I know he'll figure it out. He goes to Rody. So, um, you know, I know you all had him on here, and he'll he'll figure it out with Rody, and um, hopefully he'll get ready for his uh, Corn Ferry starts coming up here soon because, you know, obviously he got fifth on PGA Tour U. So. And explain to people how big of a deal that is. As another guy trying to make it, you know, on the Corn Ferry Tour and, and on the mini tours, Brad, like just explain to people how big of a thing that that is for Reband to have. Oh, it's oh, the PGA Tour U, like yeah. the Corn Ferry? Oh, it's huge. It's, uh, you know, the, whenever you get out of college, I mean, you have nothing guaranteed. I mean, you might, if you're a Matthew Wolf type guy or Jordan Spieth coming out of college, you'll have, you know, sponsor exemptions, but you have to be like a, top top guy to get those so you know usually you'd be going to you know corn for aq school in uh in the fall and trying to get through that and if you don't you have to do main tour stuff until you get a can of q school and stuff like that so it's you know you have to go you have to play good at the right times to um to get to you know the next level next level next level but like being able to have the pga tour you it's huge because you can um because i mean you can just play well in college and all of a sudden you have a Corn Ferry starts immediately, and it's huge. I mean, it's uh, now he can go out there and play well in some Corn Ferry events, and maybe get status on PGA Tour, or just keep his status on Corn Ferry for the next year, and he's in a great spot. So, yep, Colby. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, PGA Tour U is really changing amateur golf and giving some of these guys a chance right out of college, and we're going to see that on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, and those those starts start next week, fellas. So Reband's going to have a short period of time here to get it turned around. Austin Ekro will also be there. Uh, Davis Thompson, John Pack, and Chun on U, the other three members of the top five of PGA Tour U. And then Quaid finished sixth. Jonathan Brightwell finished tenth in PGA Tour U. Uh, so they'll have status on the Form Tour, formerly the McKenzie Tour, which will be played in the States this year due to COVID restrictions traveling into and out of Canada. Uh, fellas, Jonathan Brightwell, I mean, we can talk about some good things that happened for the Sooners this week too. Jonathan Brightwell, yesterday afternoon and today, came to 18 with one-up leads. Both days he missed the green. Uh, yesterday afternoon, he missed the green long in the bunker. He was short-sighted, had to get it up and down. What did he do? He got it up and down. Today, he misses the green short. That rough that we were talking about the other day holds up his ball, and it's a tough little chip shot. The way the ball's sitting, knocks it up to about five feet, and knocks 
locks it in. I thought he was just absolute nails this week for the Sooners. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. I mean, I thought that, you know, yesterday and even a little bit today got some lucky breaks, um, especially yesterday on his tee shot. But at the same time, I thought he was so clutch on those three to five footers, which we know in match play you can miss them very easily. And I mean, also, too, you know, because I, I want to ask Brad a little bit about Coach Hibble in a little bit, but shout out to Coach Hibble for being able to get a tra- uh, transfer portal player like Jonathan Brightwell. I mean, coming from, um, what was it, uh, North Carolina Greensboro? Greensboro, yeah. Greensboro, where he went, and he won a couple of college tournaments there. And so it goes to show, you know, we talk about it in f- uh, football mainly, but it's also in basketball, too. I mean, the transfer portal, I'm, I'm kind of the biggest one that we know of around here was Wyndham Clark when he went from OSU up to Oregon, and that might have even been before the portal was around. Um, but goes to show that, you know, um, Hibble does such a great job with all that. And so, you know, I want to ask I want to ask you about that, Brad, because we, we sent out a funny tweet last night, kind of some Hibbleisms that were going around because the whole telecast was talking about how he's wearing the sweater, mm-hmm. you know. So um, kind of if you were going to be the salesman for, for Ryan Hibble, what, what, what would you tell the people? Oh, I mean, I think Coach Hibble is the best, uh, best coach in college golf. He's um, – first of all, he's – been there before he was a I think three or four time All-American at Georgia he's played top college golf um while he was at Georgia he was a junior golf like junior golfer of the year for AJGA um player of the year he uh he did was doing pro stuff and then he uh, had some injuries with his arm kind of had to quit so he's been there before but also I think he's so competitive and so he just has a competitive nature about him that makes him want to win so bad that he he wants that almost like the competitiveness almost like floods into you when you're around him. Like he, all of a sudden you want to win more and you want to go out there and practice more and you want to go win like every team event, every individual event, everything you play in. So, and he's also, I think his practice, his, his scheme on practice and being able to do things individually, but also with the team is awesome. Um, But I think he just has this way about him that just, it's fun to be around. He will, he will get on your ass if he needs to. Like, he will, like, if you need to get chewed out, he'll chew you out. Like, he's not scared to. But also, like, when you do something great, he's going to be the first one to, like, praise you and be the first one to be there with you. So, he's he's just got this great mixture of knowing when to, like, get on to you and also knowing, like, when to be your best friend. And I think he's just a great person that um, competitive as hell, but he's also, you know, he wants to win, but he, he just – he's also very understanding and um you know he's understanding when you know shot's tough and you don't pull it off like he's not gonna be there to chew you out on that i don't know he just has this great mixture of competitiveness um and just it's he's a fun guy to be around and um i think he's just building a great culture at ou and i think it started right whenever he got there you know we were i think ranked 125th when he got there and now we're generous yeah maybe generous exactly and now we're you know, made the match play five years in a row. And um, so I think it's – he's just built an amazing culture down there, and he's continued to bring in awesome guys. And um, I think, you know, as long as he's there, I think OU Golf will be a, a big um, big part of college golf. And not only does Ryan Hibble treat you guys the right way, y'all treat each other the right way, and y'all are kind of a brotherhood. And part of that brotherhood uh, was the Burley Boys. And mm-hmm. we just saw, you know, the last leg of the Burley Boys – uh, play his last match ever at the University of Oklahoma. I want you to give the people, uh, you know, a little insight into Quade Cummins. You guys are like brothers. Um, talk, talk not only about Quade's improvement throughout college and his golf game, but just talk about your friendship and your brotherhood together. Yeah, so I actually, I lived in Hobart, Oklahoma for one year when I was a, 
I guess a sophomore in high school. So I would go to Clinton and play um, golf with Quaid a lot right after he committed, I think, or maybe right before he committed because um, Weatherford and Clinton are close, and he would go over to Clinton to play some too. And, man, he was – you could tell he had talent, but, boy, oh, boy, like when we showed up to college, he was he was hitting this, like, 50-yard rope hook with his driver every time. He wouldn't chip with more than a pitching wedge around the greens. His putting was, you know, so-so. It was just very, like, Western Oklahoma golf, just, like, keep it on the ground, get that thing running. And um, and and then I think just – he just – it wasn't even, like, a slow improvement. It was, like, out of nowhere, all of a sudden, he was just playing amazing golf. Like, I don't think I realized, like, how good he got so quick because all of a sudden he was just striping his driver all the time, putting great. His short game got – I think him and Coach Hibble spent his entire freshman year – or his entire redshirt freshman year, I think he spent the entire like every single day together on the shipping green. Wow! Because like he had to get his short game better because he couldn't use the lob wedge when he got to college, and then now his short game is maybe one of the best in college golf. And um, so yeah, his short his his game has been an unbelievable improvement improvement compared to uh compared to high school golf. And but relationship wise, yeah, he's one he's one of the boys. Me, him, and Blaine have been uh. Obviously, we were the Burley boys, but we were, you know, best friends, and we lived together all four years of college, basically. And he's uh, obviously Quaid's final year came a little later than we thought it would with right. COVID and all that. But it was fun to watch him. I mean, we have a, you know, group, me, Blaine, and Quaid have a group text that we text in about every single day, and you know, we're just we're boys, and uh, you know, it felt if I felt bad for him because I know he wanted to, you know, he obviously has a ring with the one we won twenty seventeen, but he was a six man. I, I know he wanted to. He contributed that year, obviously, but I know he wanted it to be like a real contribution in the national championship and, you know, playing in it. So um, I feel for him because, you know, they were right there the last two years, really, and uh, he wasn't able to get one. So it's tough, but he's going to have a hell of a pro career, I think. He's got all the tools, and I'm excited to see uh, what he does. And now we'll both be at Oak Tree every day, members there together, and we're playing a lot together. So um, it'll be fun to see him around every day, but – I do wish he could have ended on a little better note than, you know, losing in that uh, final match and getting second in that championship. But, you know, it's obviously he had a great college career, and I'm excited to see what he does next. Yeah, you mentioned you guys playing out there uh, at Oak Tree, and I'd be remiss if we had you on and didn't ask about your plans for the summer uh, in this upcoming golf season. Uh, what have you kind of been doing in your game? And then also, you know, where are you going to be playing this summer, and uh, what are your plans for the future? Yeah, so I just got back from Mexico for a little vacation, which was nice. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even bring the clubs with me, so that was nice to uh, get away a little bit and just kind of go to the beach and all that. But um, so yeah, my plans are just kind of play some uh, kind of APT events, maybe tour events this summer, um, some Monday qualifiers, and I'm just kind of trying to get ready for uh, Corn Ferry Q School and in, uh, in the fall. So they haven't quite released the schedule and all that on when the qualifiers going to be and first stage and pre qualifiers and all that. But um. So, yeah, I'm just trying to get ready for that. So, um, the good thing about May Tour is obviously you have flexibility. You can kind of play what you want, when you want, and all that. So, um, but, yeah, so I'm just trying to – need to work on my ball striking a little bit. So, I'm trying to get that down. And uh, But, yeah, I'm just going to be hanging out, playing May Tour events, trying to get a little better and better, and then get ready for Corn Ferry Q School. So Yeah, so once you figure out where those sites are, because do you know – will you will – you're exempt through pre-qualifying, I'm assuming. Will you- I think – I need to look I, – I think so, because I got through – I'm pretty sure I'm exempt through pre- through through pre qualifying, but yeah, once the 
sites come out and all that, then I'll obviously go look and try to, you know, register and all that and see what I get through. Do you, so. Will you try to play in tournaments that are playing maybe similar courses that you think you'll be playing? Does that play any part in your schedule making? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, – pro- I mean, probably not necessarily. I'll probably um, – because I remember when I went through went to first stage last time, I went to uh, Dallas, and I think they have first stage there usually. I forget the name of the course, Lantana. but it was I think it was Lantana, yeah. So, um, so I went there last time, and I'll probably go there again if I can because it was a good course and I played really well. I I missed by one, and I played just very crappy golf last two days. I think I was in second after two rounds and missed by one. So it was a good course and it fits me well. So I think I'll probably go there again um, if it's still there this year. So. It's just crazy because COVID, like, I don't know if they'll have, you know, the same amount of spots for the whole thing or if they'll have less spots because of PJ Tour U or all this. So it's kind of, you know, just kind of waiting to see what they say. And because uh, obviously this last year they didn't have any Corn Ferry Q schools, so it's tough to say what exactly they'll, they'll do this year. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for those to come out and actually kind of get signed up for them and uh, try to get a little plan going for here for this next year. So Yeah, and then – Brad, my last question, we've talked a lot about uh, college golf on the show this year, Um, and and we were talking during regionals, uh, for a team that is the number one overall seed uh, in regionals, uh, we were trying to figure out a better way for them to be rewarded for such a great year of golf, and you know, what we came up with on the show, and then ironically, you brought up to me the other night, uh, you know, we were saying that the one seed uh, in regionals could be able to pick where they go instead of the the number one seeds get to have to go to whatever site is closest to them um and so in theory like this year uh OU would have gotten the first choice then Florida State would have gotten the second choice OSU would have gotten the third choice on where to go to regionals if you have any thoughts on you know uh the system in college golf and how they can maybe make it a little bit better or you know reward a team for their regular season performance as well yeah, so I think well, first of all, the most the best thing would be if there were just neutral sites everywhere. I think just having neutral sites, um, you know, whoever like you said, like a like a you know OU. There's six neutral sites. OU can pick whichever one they want. Like a draft then, for yeah. the only for the one seeds, and then you seed after that. Yeah, is that exactly. what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. So the best thing would be neutral sites where there's no home course advantage or anything like that. Because you know, if you're an eight seed team and you're playing your home course, you shouldn't really be an eight seed. So, I mean, like, it, I think that's, like, taken away from possibly one of the top five seeds. Um, but if they keep how it is, I feel like something they could do, which might be a little controversial, would be, like, would be a draft. But, so, say OU is one and there was Stillwater this year. They could pick to go to Stillwater if they wanted to just because it's closer. They all know the course a little better than they would Albuquerque. But then, say OSU is three, they can either choose Stillwater if they want or they can go somewhere else. They could choose to so, play against OU. Yeah, they could. They could either choose. They they'd probably choose their home course just because they'll probably they'll still probably win. Right. But they're also having to play against OU instead of someone else, maybe a little better or a little worse. How would you fix the seeding for the other sites if you had two one seeds at one site? Then I guess, I, mean, I guess you might have just to do with the. Uh, well, the thing is though, less teams would probably pick the Stillwater site. I'm, I'm saying like you pick all the way through. Oh, I see what you're saying. So you, yeah, pick you don't, all, you all don't the, just like, do the top six. Like, so, so like like every every team picks like on like if you're going, nobody would probably pick for a while on a on a regional that has OU and OSU in it. Right. You know, unless until it's maybe a little later on, maybe I don't know if a if a Texas team maybe wanted to come up there because some of them have played there. Who knows? So 
Um, I think it could be interesting. I just think I think the best thing would just be neutral sites where, you know, obviously some guys might have played a course here and there, but, like, I just don't think a team should ever play a regional on their home course because it's just too much, or especially especially a national championship. But a regional, you shouldn't play on your home course because that's just basically a bye week. Yeah, and, and even like you mentioned, Brad, you know, if you're if you're the eight seed and you're still on your home course, you're more like a three or four seed, you yeah. know, in, the, in that aspect. And, you know, I'll, I'll throw it to Kobe after I mentioned this. You know, my whole point about it was we went back and did some research, and in this during this national championship year, only one team um, who made the top 30 at the 2019 because that was the last NCAA championship held, only one team from those 30 was not invited back to a regional this year, and that was Cal who lost Colin Morikawa. Mm-hmm. So from my premise, and I want to throw this to Colby, and we've talked about it before, but now with your insight, Brad, like his take, because it just seems like for these powerhouse schools, there's no incentive to have a regular season. I mean, it just seems like, you know, you're going to get thrown into a regional wherever you're at and just go play. What regionals was three rounds, right? Three rounds of good golf. Yeah. And, and so and this year, OU was the toughest region. They were in the toughest region. They had a back door to get in, and they yeah. finished mm-hmm. runner-up. So, uh, Colby, what are your thoughts on that after hearing Brad's take? Yeah, no, I like what he has to say there and that idea that you just pretty much uh, draft your regional site all the way down, and that's your advantage for being a higher seed is you get to pick where you go play. I, I do think that uh, just sending seat – sending teams to their home site. It's like not only did Oklahoma have to go on the road as the number one team in the country to Albuquerque, they played on New Mexico's home course and New Mexico was in the regional and New Mexico was one of the teams that could have kept OU out of Greyhawk. OU winds up in the national championship match after having to make four birdies on all four scores that counted in Albuquerque just to get there. It's just, I mean, all you've got to do is be in the field uh, at Greyhawk for the national championships, and then you've got a shot because you've got four rounds to go out and make it to match play, and we've seen it time after time. Anything can happen in match play. There's a reason that no one school has just put a dynasty together in the match play era. It's because match play is tough man and it just brings more schools into it because i mean you could just have three guys have a really good day three guys have a really good day you're moving on so i like the idea of drafting regional sites uh all the way down it's just been it's been such a fun year of college golf in this state from the big 12 championships at prairie dunes uh the comeback ou made at the regional the osu women last week ou and osu men this week having a chance uh, we nearly had the bedlam national championship but uh pepperdine got in the way of that any closing thoughts, fellas, before we call it a night? Yeah, the, the one last thing I'll say before I just want to credit the uh, the state schools on how well of a season they had. Another year, guys, where the number one seed in stroke play doesn't win the match play. Arizona, We yeah. haven't even talked about Arizona State. They lost to OU yesterday. So it goes to show that this match play portion, you know, it's completely changed to wins national championships. Yeah, my closing thoughts, I mean, I asked Brad about it, but I want to give my own shout-out to Quade Cummins as well on a – awesome career um you know just one of the best guys out there and uh, a guy that is a true inspiration because it shows that you can come from small town oklahoma not really play any ajgas and go out there uh and get you know seen on the biggest level at the national championship on the golf channel and i'm, I'm sure that's not the last time we'll see quaid on the golf channel uh so as friend to friend i just want to give a shout out to quaid uh and and tell him that you know i, I was really proud of him this week brad yeah, uh, closing thoughts? Yeah, closing thoughts. No, yeah, I'm proud of the team. Uh, obviously, I wish they had finished, uh, you know, with a with a ring on their finger and holding that trophy high, but um, super proud of them. I mean, I love Coach Hibble to death. I love Coach Alcorn, um, all the guys on the team. I saw a lot of them. I think they had like four or five guys just traveled the team not playing. They weren't even substitutes. So, I mean, a lot of them were out there, and it was fun to see them on TV. And, uh, no, it's – 
you know, I love them to death, and I wish they had won, but it was fun to see them uh, compete and grind. And, you know, golf or OU golf is just grittiness and grinding, and, uh, you know, they, they definitely did their best on that. So it was fun to see. But, um, yeah, thanks for having me on. It was it was fun. Absolutely. It was a pleasure, man. Any, I appreciate it, Brad. Anytime, man, you want to come on. And this will not be the last time OU or OSU is in the match play of the NCAA championship. This will be something that is continuing for years and years to come. So everyone around the state who loves golf, make sure to keep on following these state schools because they prove this week they are two of the top, at worst, five teams. Two of the top two. Yeah, exactly. Two of the top two programs. Pepperdine got hot for a week. Yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. And by the way, uh, try see if we'll uh, catch me as the narration on uh, next year's <laughs> OU golf hype videos. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's only absolutely. one. Uh, I saw absolutely. people saying uh, I was the Morgan Freeman at OU golf today. So <laughs> you do have a majestic true. voice, Brad. I will give you that. <laughs> I don't know about that. A mix between Fer- Fergie and Jesus, as Will Ferrell would say. <laughs> Absolutely. Indistinguishable. Guys, uh, great stuff and really great, great seasons from the state schools. First time on since Oklahoma State got bounced by Pepperdine as well. Great season for the Cowboys. Great season for the Sooners. They come up just short, man. Uh, It hurts, but it does not take anything away from what they accomplished. They left everything on the course out there in Greyhawk, and they can hold their heads up high, especially those seniors, Brightwell, Reband, and Cummins. Just awesome, awesome careers. It's going to be weird having an OU golf program uh, without those guys, especially Quaid, Reband. Those guys have been there for so, so long. So uh, great stuff from the Sooners. Congratulations to Pepperdine. They played great. They deserve it. And we appreciate everyone joining us once again for another edition of the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.